Assignment 4. Policies, Practices, Programs, and Professional Standards. Let's begin our review of Assignment 4 titled Policies, Practices, Programs, and Professional Standards. The lives of individuals with disabilities have changed markedly over the past 70 years. Most of those changes are due to policies that have emerged out of litigation, legislation, and advocacy. Change has also come from research that has contributed to our knowledge base concerning how to best support persons with disabilities in general education and community settings. Learning Objective 4-1. Explain how civil rights litigation influenced special education and disability rights. The landmark civil rights case, Brown v. Board of Education of Topeka, in 1954, declared that segregated education was not equal education. While brought on the basis of racial segregation and discrimination, the ruling in this case had implications for all forms of segregation and discrimination, including the thousands of youngsters each year who were denied an education because of their disabilities. Thus began the challenge to exclusionary educational and residential policies in America. Litigation and legislative efforts since then have extended the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment and the right to a free, appropriate public education, FAPE, to individuals with disabilities. Between 1967 and 2009, over 21 major court cases paved the way for right to education, right to treatment, least restrictive environment, and related services, and refined such concepts as the boundaries of placement, exclusion and discipline issues, and rights to attorney's fees. Learning Objective 4-2. Identify and describe the major provisions of special education legislation. In 1975, PL 94-142 was signed into law. This act, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, IDEA, is viewed as the Bill of Rights for children with disabilities and their families. Although revised a number of times since 1975, certain key provisions are still in effect. These key provisions regulate the policies and practices of educating students with disabilities and ensure that the law supports equal treatment of adults with disabilities. The central guiding principle is that all school-aged children, ages 3 to 21, identified with a disability, have the right to a free education designed to meet each student's educational needs. Six major provisions of the law are still in effect. The first provision mandates free appropriate public education, or FAPE. FAPE is guaranteed for all children regardless of the severity of their disability. This is also known as the zero-reject philosophy. No child may be rejected, that is, No child can be denied a free, appropriate public education because of his or her disability. The second provision states that children with disabilities must, to the maximum extent appropriate, be educated in the least restrictive environment, LRE. In other words, they must be offered an educational setting most like that of their typically developing peers. The setting in which educational services are provided is based, by law, on each individual child's educational needs. However, recent court cases have determined that the LRE should be the general education class unless school districts can demonstrate that a more restrictive setting is necessary. 
More restrictive settings are, in order of restrictiveness, a resource room, a separate special education class, a separate school, a residential school, a hospital, and the student's home known as homebound instruction. The third provision states that all students with disabilities must have an individual educational plan, or IEP. Parents and educators collaboratively develop the IEP, which guides the student's educational program and includes annual goals, educational strategies, and ways to measure progress. IEPs are developed for students between the ages of 3 and 21. For children with disabilities between birth and 5 years of age, an IFSP, or Individual Family Service Plan, is developed. You will learn more about IEPs, IFSPs, and educational settings in Assignment 5. The fourth provision guarantees procedural due processes to safeguard the rights of the child and family. Parental consent for assessment and timelines related to disability determination and subsequent service delivery are some of the due process rights that are guaranteed. Recently, a two-year statute of limitations has been included for filing a due process complaint and a mandatory resolution session is now required between the school district and the parents prior to proceeding to a due process hearing. The fifth provision guarantees a non-discriminatory assessment and ensures that racial, cultural, or linguistic biases do not influence special education determination or eligibility. The sixth provision states that full and meaningful parental participation must be sought in all decision-making processes. In 1986, PL 99457 extended all provisions of 94142 downward to include children between the ages of 3 and 5. Prior to the passage of this law, services for preschoolers were voluntary. Part H of this bill provides incentives for servicing children with disabilities from birth to age 2. Currently, all states have plans for providing services to children from birth to the age of majority. Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973 is a civil rights law that extends eligibility for special education services if students have 1 a physical or mental impairment which substantially limits one or more life activities, two, have a record of such impairment, or three, are regarded by others as having such an impairment. Life activities include walking, seeing, hearing, working, and learning. It is under Section 504 that services for students with ADHD are mandated. This law, like IDEA, ensures that students are educated to the maximum extent possible with their general education peers. The Americans with Disabilities Act, ADA, was signed into law in 1990. This law ensures that employers with over 15 employees cannot discriminate against persons with disabilities. Employers must make reasonable accommodations to ensure any person with disabilities can complete the job requirements. Public services such as mass transit, hotels, fast food restaurants, hospitals, theaters, banks, and retail centers may not discriminate and must be accessible to those with disabilities. Telephone companies must provide relay services to ensure those with hearing and or speech impairments have access to phone services. Learning Objective 4-3 
understand the concepts of inter-individual and intra-individual differences. There are two categories of differences between people. Inter-individual differences are differences that distinguish one person from another. In the case of education, inter-individual differences are differences between pupils. For example, students differ in height, athletic prowess, and intellectual ability. Inter-individual differences are often the basis for special education determination or eligibility. Evidence that a student differs considerably from his or her peers is frequently the reason for entry into special education. One student may be significantly above or below average in intellectual functioning, or have a learning disability or vision problems. Categorization decisions are also based on inter-individual differences. Everyone also exhibits intra-individual differences. Intra-individual differences are differences within an individual and can be thought of as each person's unique pattern of strengths and weaknesses. One student may have significant reading disabilities, but may be above average in math. Another student may have hearing problems, but be an excellent artist. Intra-individual differences help parents and educators develop the IEP. Each student's strengths and needs are reflected in the goals and in the teaching and behavior strategies in the IEP. Learning Objective 4-4: Identify the major steps involved in receiving special education services. Five major steps are involved in delivering special education services. These are pre-referral, referral, assessment and eligibility determination, IEP development. And ongoing monitoring. The pre-referral step requires educators to provide different education and/or behavior interventions prior to referring a student for special education. These pre-referral interventions are designed to ensure that only those students needing special education are referred, and that students with less significant needs receive the adaptations and accommodations they need to be successful in general education. For some students, cultural or linguistic background, inappropriate expectations, or poor instructional practices may be at the root of educational concerns. This is why pre-referral strategies are so important. If pre-referral interventions are not successful, then the student can be referred for special education. A referral is a written request to parents or guardians to evaluate a student to determine whether the child has a disability. Referrals are often initiated by the general education teacher and arise from a concern about a child's academic achievement or social behavioral problems. In most schools, a team of educators decides if a referral should be issued. If so, they send the referral, also called the written request to evaluate, to the child's parents. IDEA requires that school districts obtain permission from a child's parents before there is a formal evaluation of the child. Once parental permission is secured, the next step is assessment to determine if the child is eligible for special education services. Approximately 75% of all students who are referred to special education are deemed eligible. If the child is found to be eligible for special education services, Then a team, including the parents, develops the initial IEP. Services addressing the educational needs of an individual student are documented in the IEP. Services may include modifications in instructional format, materials, 
and teaching techniques, as well as the consideration of behavioral strategies and the teaching of specific skills necessary for academic and social success. Assistive technology needs and related services, such as speech, occupational, and physical therapy, are also delineated. Each year, the students' progress toward IEP goals are monitored. A new IEP is constructed either every year or every two years until the student exits the system or no longer needs special educational services. Learning Objective 4-6. Describe the difference between programs and placements. An important distinction in special education needs to be made between programs or services and placements or settings. Programs or services include educational or behavioral supports, strategies, and related services such as speech, physical, and occupational therapies. These services can be delivered in a variety of placements or settings. The different placements in which students can receive special education services range from, in order of restrictiveness, a general education classroom, a resource room, a separate special education class, a separate school, a residential school, a hospital, and the student's home. The majority of students currently receive services in regular or general education classrooms. Briefly, programs or services have to do with what special education is provided, while placements or settings have to do with where services are delivered. Learning Objective 4-7. Recognize the key elements of full inclusion models. The full inclusion model supports the education of all students in their neighborhood school. Full inclusion also supports all students being educated in age and grade level appropriate placements with zero rejection, that is, no exceptions. Full inclusion is a growing trend and has been implemented in many school districts nationally, though many districts continue to use the full continuum of placements to support students with disabilities. Full inclusion is controversial with strong opinions on both sides. The advocates for continuum of services say that the individual student's needs and parental preferences should determine the setting in which a child is educated. Advocates of full inclusion believe that all students should have the opportunity to lead a normalized life, and that means living and learning in the natural settings of their typical peers in a general education class in a neighborhood school. This completes our review of this assignment.